John's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning to read at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus, then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Let us pray. Eternal God and our Heavenly Father, we do again thank you this evening for such a beautiful evening. We thank you, Father, for everyone that you've brought along this evening. So many in such a day like this, it's encouraging to see. We ask you now, Father, that as we enter your presence with thanksgiving in our hearts, we enter your courts with praise tonight. And now, Father, as we open up the scriptures and the word has been read in public, we pray, Lord, that you would help this man of frailty to rightly divide the word of truth. But, O oh God, we pray that your spirit would speak to hearts and lives and minds this evening. We pray, O oh God, that you would convict and convince the heart of men and women. We pray, O oh God, if there's one here yet not saved, that you would save their souls for time and for all eternity. And if there's one here that is backslidden in heart, we pray, Lord, that you would draw them again. Lord, that you would restore them back into fellowship with thee. We thank, O oh God, that there may be some here who are ill, needing a touch from you in a special way. We ask it, Lord, that you would see fit to do that. Lord, that you would edify your church. Build up your people upon their most holy faith. And instruct us and teach us in the way which we should go. Guide us with your eye. We worship you. And we love you. And we come through the blood. And in the righteousness of your son. The Lord Jesus Christ whose name is above every other name. So Father have your way. Deal and speak. We pray to the glory of thy son, the Lord Jesus. And for his sake we ask it. Amen. The Lord Jesus asks the disciples a question. And he asks them this question because there are many who have followed the Lord Jesus Christ for some time now. And following him, we find that they're only following him for the get and the gain. In other words, he was able to heal their sick. He was able to feed their hungry. And he gave them water to drink. In other words, his provision is all they wanted. But his word and their obedience to it was something that they did not want. And hence the Lord Jesus asks the question, in verse 67. Then 
said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Notice the question, will ye also go away? Notice verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom else shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And that is what matters in this conversation now. It's not the bread. It's not the loaves nor the fish. It's not even the healings and the miracles. It's not the temporal blessings and provision. Why they're all necessary for the life and for living. But rather it's not for what Christ gives. But for who Christ is. And what Christ says. And Peter realizes Lord. To whom shall we go? You know I have just given us a simple title this evening. There's nowhere to go but to Jesus. Simple, there's nowhere to go but to Jesus. We have to ask the question, why were the people leaving him at this point? Why were they all walking away and deserting the Lord Jesus Christ after he has been so good to them, after the blessings bestowed upon them? Then why walk away from him? Well, before we go any further, might I say that God is good to us all the time. God in his sovereignty is good to his own. But not only is God good to those that love him and know him and serve him, but God in his general or common grace is good to all men and to all women. He's the one who grows the crop in the field who sends the rain to water it. He's the one who gives the skill to mankind for the things that we need. The intelligence and the teaching, the training, all of it, the abilities are from the Lord. We know that because the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every blessing you have, the car you're in, the home you go to, the roof over your head, the amenities you have, the clothes on your back, the food in your cupboard, the children around your feet, the grandchildren to visit, every good and every perfect gift is from the Lord. So God is good even when men and women reject him. General or common grace is reached down to each and every one of us. But saving grace from his sovereignty, from sovereign grace, is when God himself has stepped into the life. When God himself in his spirit in the person and power of the Holy Ghost, comes in and awakens the heart of a man to be able to realize they're not saved, they're lost, they're in their sin, and their only Savior is Christ, who has died at Calvary for them. He gives deciding grace. He gives us 
the faith to believe. He gives us, imputes repentance unto life, takes the man and woman who are dead to God and makes them alive to behold the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to be able to call upon his name, believing to be saved. So God is good all the time. Why would these people leave the Lord? Why would these people walk away from him? Why, when he has been so good to them, would they desert him? And yet, friend, maybe you're that same person. Maybe you're that same person whom God has listened to a vow you have vowed unto him and you have deferred to pay it. Sometime in danger, you've threw a thought, as it were, into heaven. You've turned a fleeting thought to God and you've said, if you, I will. And then when things are good again, you have decided to walk away from him. You see, the words of eternal life are in Christ because he is eternal life. And Peter said, Thou hast the words of eternal life. Why would people walk away from the Lord Jesus? Let me put it quickly and briefly to you why. First of all, earlier in the chapter, John's Gospel, chapter 6, Listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ says in verse 51 of our chapter. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, notice, I am the living bread. If any man eat of this bread, notice this language, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. They heard this and they couldn't realize what he was saying was not literally but spiritual. It was spiritually speaking. And so as it were, they threw their hands up as if they kept all the laws of God as if they were perfect in every way and they started to walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we cannot in some instance here just uh, try to damn these people because turn with me to Leviticus chapter 17, please. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 10. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you, 
Notice that eateth any manner of blood. I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Now take note here, friends. In verse 10, we have the law of the word. That if any man was to eat blood, his soul would be cut off and God's face would be against them. Who can blame the people of John chapter 6? Because they're hearing. They're hearing that Jesus is telling them, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're hearing the law of the word. And so they're in disgust at this. They're reviled at it. And notice then in verse 11, we have the spirit of the word of it. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. He's saying this is for the atonement. The blood that was shed is for the atonement of your souls. So when Jesus was saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood, he was speaking spiritually. But unfortunately, and tragically, the natural carnal man and woman who followed him to see what they could get from him, to see what he would do for them, the good living for the living are not saved, friend. The religion who say they, they, they follow Christ but know not the spirit of this, they're lost. The man and the woman, the carnal, natural heart would say, well, that's the law and we cannot keep it, but we'll try our best and walk away from Christ and the spirit of the word. And in fact, in John's gospel, chapter six, if you will turn to it with me, please. And let your eye please run down the chapter. John chapter six. Notice here in verse 59. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. They knew that this was in Leviticus 17 as we call it. Verse 60 of John 6. Many therefore of his disciples when they had heard this. Said this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it. He said unto them, Doth this offend you? In other words, the carnal man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. And that's why men and women hate Christ. That's why they walk away from Christ. Because they live in flesh. They live the flesh as appealed to by the world. And the world lives in their flesh. And the world and the flesh is death. But the spirit is life. And Christ is saying when the animal was slain and the blood was shed upon the altar, it was for the atonement of the spirit. And now he says, I am that very sacrifice. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. This is a hard saying. For the law says we cannot do such a thing. 
So when you speak about salvation in Christ, when you speak about men and women living for Christ, when we speak about being born again of the Spirit and being washed in the blood, people cannot understand it lest the Holy Spirit come and He enable them. Unfortunately, this chapter is where Rome gets their teaching of transubstantiation. Where the priests of Rome believe in lifting the wafer from the monstrous. Believing that when they pray over it, their power is as such, their priestcraft is as such that that wafer turns to the literal body and blood and sinew and even divinity of Christ. And so when someone takes at the mass the wafer, therein they are taking Jesus in. And so he says, I'll dwell in you feet of my flesh. And they're saying, this is now the flesh of God. Friends, it's nothing short of Babylonian magic. And even one time, oh, maybe 15 years ago, I used to go and preach in a church in London once, maybe twice a year. They brought me over the lovely old organ there. and I just loved it. It was hundreds of years old. And the hymn writer of Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. That was his pulpit. And to think that this man grabbed maybe that pulpit as he thundered out the, the oracles of God. I, I was delighted and privileged and honored and humbled to be behind that pulpit. One time, Alison and I were going on a tour bus. We went, decided to make a weekend. That I went on a Saturday, preached on the Sunday, and then came home on a late flight, maybe even on a Monday. And Alison came, and we made a, a weekend of it. And this Saturday, we got on a tour bus because we were usually running around London trying to see the sights. And there on the tour bus, we're coming down towards St. Paul's Cathedral. And there the, uh, the, the operator on the bus says, and so we have St. Paul's Cathedral ahead of us. It was hop on, hop off, bus journey. Next stop will be St. Paul's Cathedral. Anyone wants to get off. And their words were, this is a working Protestant church. So Alison and I decided we wanted to get off and go in. And all those years ago, we paid a tenner each to get through the doors. I'll never forget it. And there was a, a big open room. It was massive with all these different plinths and plaques around the walls. And people who had died for the faith. And suddenly as we're not long in, there's goes along flat and up one step and along again. And right at that step, one microphone and a man walks out dressed from head to toe in black garments. He says, may we all take a seat. And we sat down and he says, may we all pray. And he prayed and it was simple, nothing wrong with it. And then he says, we're going to have the mass at 12 o'clock. 
Now my ears pricked up thinking, but this is a working Protestant church. If anyone wants to come and ask me about the things of Christianity, please feel free. And so I was up and went to him. And I said, excuse me, do you mean the Mass as in the real presence of Christ and the wafer? And he said, yes, I do. Now, mind you, St. Paul's Cathedral, a working Protestant church, so-called. And I asked him, I says, where in the scripture do you get this? Where do you think this so-called power of yours comes from that a prayer changes a wafer into Christ? And he says to me, it doesn't matter where you're saying I'll get it from Scripture from. We have the Mass. And there was a big plaque in the wall. And it was to the remembrance of John Wycliffe, morning star of the Reformation. And I said, you see that man? He would turn in his grave at the thought of what you're doing. What if a communicant crumbles it in their mouth and a crumb would drop to the floor and everyone goes home and the church mouse comes along at night and eats the crumb? Is he taking Christ? Well, he was flustered. By this time a crowd had gathered around us. No, 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 he says, but he isn't in the body. That was the words. And I said to him, you're trying to say this from John chapter 6, aren't you? And he didn't know, according to him. And I said to him, let me tell you, What John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ said after they left him. Because if Christ is telling men and women to eat blood and to drink flesh, literally, like the real presence, if he is telling them then, he's a lawbreaker and a sinner. But he isn't. And I quoted... John chapter 6 to him. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Notice the words I speak unto you. They are spirit. And they are life. And he turned heels and basically ran away and ran through a door. Nothing short of a devil in a robe. Friends, brothers and sisters, let me tell you this. The blood of Christ, when we say we're washed in the blood, it was shed literally. But spiritually, efficaciously, 
And even right at this very moment, the blood has never lost its power. And it still cleanses sinners this night. And we are drawn by faith to the cross where Jesus died. Men run away. Ah, oh, this is a hard saying. That man in that driving, he was a little too hard. He was way too hard. He's too much for me. Friend, I'll tell you, I may be too much for many, but there's souls that need to hear it. That Christ still saves sinners. And there's nowhere else to go but the Jesus. There's nowhere else to go but to the Lord. The blasphemy of the mass is not found in John chapter 6. I want you to see something, friends. And I must start to try to round this up. Notice what our chapter says. Let your eye run down, please. So Jesus asked them. These pages are blown away on me. Forgive me. Jesus asked them in verse 67. Will you also go away? Now here's a question for you tonight, friend. Let's lay it on the line. Let's put it out plain and straight. Sharp shooting, firing arrows. Let's put it right on the line. If you're not saved, are you going to go out tonight? Will you also go away again? Go away without getting right with God. Go away without surrendering your life to Christ. Will you also go away again? He's been good to you. He's blessed you. He's helped you. He's been there for you. But will you also go away? Is the Holy Ghost speaking to you that you may call on His name and be saved? I might go away and think about it. Yeah, you might. If God affords you the time. I might go away and, well, I might even start going to church. That's good. That won't save you either. Will you go away tonight? These words of Simon Peter, verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You see, friends, salvation is in the Lord. It's in no one else. It's not in our church, in Christ's encounters, tabernacle. It's not in us. It's not in me. It's not in any of these men. Salvation isn't in a church, isn't in a denomination. Isn't it an institution? Salvation is off the Lord. And in the Lord. To whom else will you go? You'll go away and you'll run away. And again, 
You'll go back to the family, to the home, to the work or wherever you're doing. You'll go and you'll forget it maybe till next week. And we're glad to see you. But we're not promised tomorrow. Notice here as we finish this. Peter shows the exclusivity of Christ. To whom else? Shall we go? The Lord Jesus, John 14 and 6 says, I am the way, the exclusive way. Not a way, one of many ways or a few ways. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. Listen, but by me, he says. Exclusive in Christ. You know, today, they're trying to do away with the exclusivity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're trying to say today that it's offensive to others if you preach about Jesus and you leave out others who, like Buddha and Shinto, from, like Muhammad, like who else? They're all dead, but Christ is alive. The exclusivity of Christ. Peter mentions him, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no second name it means. Only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Messiah. Yahshua HaMashiach. Friend, Peter says, to whom will we go, Lord? Exclusively in you are the words of eternal life. Exclusively in you. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Christ is exclusively the Savior. There's nowhere else to go but to Jesus. There's nowhere else to be washed but through his blood. There's no name to be had but the name of Jesus. Christ and Christ alone. Thou hast the words of eternal life. Time has flown for me to tell you more about this, but in the Old Testament, does speak of eternal life. Job and Isaiah and Daniel. But most of them speak on it with a a vagueness almost at times. They talk about it, uh, linking it with the resurrection at times as well. Talk about everlasting covenant. And they talk about the everlasting arms and the everlasting God, of course. And that does talk about eternity. Of course it does. But none could talk about it like Christ. None could take it and reveal it like Christ. Notice what John 6 says. I'm just going to skip through these. Look. Verse, John 6 and verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth to everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. 
for him hath God the Father sealed. Let your eye run down the chapter again. The verse 39. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let your eye run down again, please, to verse 46. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. Verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Here comes the Lord Jesus Christ. All the prophets with their great oratory could say, He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. For hundreds of years, point to the coming of Christ. But He says, I am come. An everlasting life, he says, is in me. When they send them out, when the Pharisees send out the Praetorium Guard to arrest him at one time in John chapter 7, they come back hearing after Christ says that he is the living waters. And this is at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, the great day, the last day of the feast. And notice this, they come back, verse 45 of John 7. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees and said unto them, Why have you not brought him? Why have you not arrested this Jesus? Listen to the beautiful answer. The answer, officers answered, Never man speak like this man. Peter says, Lord, to whom will we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Never man speak like this man, friend. They talked of eternal life. The rabbis would have read about it. The rabbis would have passed down, even through generations, oral tradition of it. But one thing they couldn't do is expound it and reveal it and claim it that it's in them. But Christ did. Christ did. My friend, will he also go away? Will you go away tonight without him? Will he also go away? Lord, to whom else will we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Psalm 78 and verse 2. I will utter my mouth in a parable. <laughs> I will open my mouth in a parable, pardon me. I will utter dark sayings of old. Jesus comes with kingdom parables. He speaks the mysteries of the kingdom that no man could ever do. Even the prophets of God.
But the word of God incarnate opens up the very heart of himself being the divine eternal word. There the son expounds. Speaks like no other man. Don't leave without knowing him tonight. Don't go home without knowing him. But come to him. Give your life to Jesus. There's nowhere else to go but to Jesus. May God bless us tonight. Going to ask the ladies to come up.